Hello and welcome back to the Pathology Grand Tour. I'm Liv Gaskill and today our tour bus stops at Veterinary Pathology. We're joined by Nicola Parry, who is Head of Pathology at the University of Surrey School of Veterinary Medicine, and Chiara Palmieri, who is Associate Professor in Veterinary Pathology at the University of Queensland. Nicola and Chiara are here to share a day in the lives with us, tell us about their journey into the lab, and take a look at what lies ahead for veterinary pathology. Thank you both for joining us. We really appreciate um, you coming on the podcast to speak to us and welcome to the Pathology Grand Tour. Um, can we start off with, can you each give us um, a brief overview of yourself and your role, essentially an elevator pitch of who you are? Um, so I'm Chiara uh, Palmieri. I work at the School of Veterinary Science of the University of Queensland. I'm a veterinary pathologist. Uh, but I'm also teaching, I'm doing research. Uh, so uh, the diagnostic duty is, let's say, one of the things that I'm doing um, in between other commitments. And um, I pretty much I work in academia for my entire life. Uh, so I've been, I'm a vet, but I've been a vet only for one month, I think, in my life. So I went, <laughs> I went straight into my uh, a PhD program after graduation. And then um, I did my residency program in veterinary pathology. And then um, I've been working as a senior lecturer in veterinary pathology in Italy. And then I moved to Australia in 2012. So I'm an associate professor in veterinary pathology here. So it's like, let's say veterinary pathology from the beginning. I guess my, you know, my background is very similar to Chiara's. So I'm a veterinarian too. That's my my general background. I I did stay in general practice for several years before I specialised in pathology. Um, although I'm English, as you can tell, I, that's where I, I did my my vet degree at the University of Liverpool. But after general practice for a few years in the UK, I then went across to the US in 2000. And um, I did my residency there in anatomic pathology at the, the vet school at the University of Pennsylvania. And um, I stayed in the, in the U.S. then until just April this year. And now I'm based at the, at the School of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Surrey. And I'm the head of pathology here. I, I guess I have very similar kinds of work that, that Chiara will be doing. So you know, most of us will be doing diagnostics, a bit of research, um, administrative type of work as well. So very similar kind of background and, and similar kind of workload too. So after vet school, what made you specialise in pathology? Like really, it, it actually happened during my, when I was an undergraduate student, because in Italy you had to do uh, one, two years of uh, research programme in one discipline before graduating. So I, I chose veterinary pathology, although it, it was not what I was planning to do at the beginning of my uh, DVM. So I was into, I, I, I wanted to become like an equine uh, specialist. And then I ended up being a veterinary pathologist because I loved it when I was studying the, uh, during, for preparing the exam. Um, and then from there, I've just went through the usual pathway to become a specialist pathology. So I started really while I was studying um, 
in my undergraduate degree. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like we're twins, Chiara, because I have a very similar kind of a story. I um, started vet school. I was pretty much like most vet students, you know, when I started, very focused on on becoming a vet who would end up going into general practice. But then as I went through school over the first couple of years, I think my eyes were really opened to all the other aspects of veterinary medicine that I'd really had no idea existed before I, I started school. And pathology in particular really caught my interest as I went through school. I think that as a, as a discipline, I found it fascinating. It was just full of so many interesting disease manifestations and disease mechanisms and all those kinds of things. And as a clinical specialty in its own right, I, I think I was just very taken by how pathology really seemed to be what I kind of thought of as the the missing link, if you like, in, in many ways, it, it kind of bridges a lot of different specialties in veterinary medicine and also other areas of our profession and even beyond, you know, into human medicine and, and um, scientific research in general. You know, when you think about our own special, our own profession, medicine and surgery can't really properly function without pathologists many researchers can't function without pathologists and and that goes beyond clinical research in in vet schools you know it um it links up with biomedical researchers and, and medical researchers too but I, I think overall i was just really drawn to the whole investigative nature of pathology and and how on a clinical setting we would be analyzing all of the diagnostic data and and pulling them all together with clinical findings and history and stuff and I just really liked how pathology bridged so much of, of veterinary medicine and, um, and research and teaching and even out into public health and stuff. So it was just all very appealing for me. Nice. So then what's a, can you describe a typical day in your life as a veterinary pathologist? Can you walk us through that? So Kiara, let's start with you. Uh, oh, every day is a bit different. Um, it depends on like especially when it's teaching time, uh, it depends on that, teaching commitments. So, for example, today I had to do three hours teaching, two hours, uh, like two hours of one hour of tutorial on inflammation. And then I did some just going through a PhD thesis and doing some admin work. Uh, so it's a combination of things it depends on what we uh what are the deadlines and teaching but tomorrow for example is different because i'm on diagnostic so it could be like a good day a bad day uh with biopsies or necropsies so um, it's not and maybe the beauty of that is that it's uh, always surprising so we don't know what to expect every day and it's challenging at the same time, uh, but uh, really, it's um, just, um, it's unpredictable. Uh, but because, as Nikki said, uh, we have so many different things to do during the day that we, we are having fun every day. We never get bored, I think. Totally agree. And I, I think I, I can relate to, to that variety as well and how things can be different from from one week to the next and from one day to the next. And 
my uh, my my typical day is not really typical of the kind of day that an average veterinary pathologist might have at the moment either because of the specific role that I have here. So as the head of pathology of this particular our diagnostic building in particular, I spend an awful lot of time doing administrative work, probably more than I've ever done in my in my career, to be honest. Um, it's my job at the moment, not just to oversee everything that goes on in our veterinary pathology center each day, but also to kind of be in the background strategizing behind the scenes so that I can come up with ideas that will help to advance what we do as you know as a diagnostic service, how we can maybe form bridges with researchers and just how we function in general. And I have to kind of try and build the team and, and coordinate everything that, that we're doing here so that all the different moving parts are, are, are properly lined up. So I, I do spend a lot of time in meetings every day at the moment and I'm and I'm often just fighting the, the usual daily fires that, that you'll often have arising in any workplace. So I, I, I kind of get in around 7.30 a.m. and I spend a bit of time before other people draw in and I'm working on my emails, doing paperwork that kind of hour before anybody else rolls in or, or well, while only a few people are in, it's um, it's a nice quiet time to get stuff done because nobody's beating down my door looking for me. Uh, we, we do tend to have it. Yeah, I just want to add that we both work in academia, but there are so many specialist veterinary pathologists working in commercial labs and they're daily routine is a bit different because 100% diagnostic with some paperwork and admin. So in that case, it might be uh, pretty intense in terms of uh, diagnostic routine. Many cases coming through throughout the day. So like veterinary pathologists, they have, um, we are pretty much the same. Uh, we have the same specialty as same similar qualifications, but then our daily uh, life might be a bit different yeah. if you're working in academia or in the private sector. Yeah, definitely. I, I think a lot of people often assume that when they think of a veterinary pathologist, they may think of somebody who works in a corporate lab, for example, who might be um, dedicated to, to reading slides literally the whole day. There are some days when I, I never look at a slide, I never use my microscope. Sometimes there are weeks that go by and I'm not switching on my own microscope. You know, I, I may look at cases with our team and our multi-headed microscope, but it's it's um, there, there's a massive range of, of, of a of variety, really, with respect to the, the different roles that veterinary pathologists can play and, and even within academia as well. So... You know, on any one given day, Chiara and I could could be doing things that are vastly different from each other. It's um, you know, it's it, that's part of the beauty, I think, of of our of our specialty. Yeah, it sounds it. Thank you for highlighting how broad it can be in both sides of it as well. Um, so then, Chiara, how do you think veterinary pathology is viewed among other healthcare professionals, whether in animal or in human health? Um, <laughs> that's a. Uh, uh, Challenging question, I think, um, because some people may not really understand our value because we are hidden away. And, or for example, students do not consider 
really uh, like veterinary pathology as a viable career option. Um, but then there are 50% of the healthcare population that really um, think that the pathologies impact nearly all aspects of patient care in terms of diagnosis, treatment, prognosis. So when we are reading a biopsy, it's not just writing a report. We provide information about the follow-up of the patient, how it should be treated. So there is not really any clinical department that doesn't rely on veterinary pathology in some capacity. And then the depth of interaction is variable. And I think that um, 50% of the uh, of the, uh, our colleagues, they really understand that, that really, we are really critical and crucial to for the um, diagnostic process and even for, for patient care in general. And I think that even the importance of veterinary pathologists has been increasingly recognized in the human health system uh, in terms of comparative studies. So they really need patho veterinary pathologists to understand how to use animal models for human diseases, human cancers. So um, we, we may need to, um, well, we undersell us a bit, I think. It's a, a really critical discipline. And as Nikki said before, it, it's a bridge in between m connecting many different fields. And um, there are people that recognize that, I think. Totally agree. I, I haven't really had a, much of a chance to get a sense of this since I've been back in the UK with respect to people on the, um, on the human healthcare side of things. But, but certainly my experience over in, in the US has shown me that the the MD pathologists, you know, that the physician pathologists over there, in general, they actually seem to be very interested in in the in the world of veterinary pathology, and in all the comparative aspects of pathology. And, yeah. and like Chiara just alluded to, many of them are are very attuned to the fact that um, that they when they are doing research they need animal models as you know as part of their research studies and many of them recognize that there is a, a specialty of veterinary pathology so it's um it, it i had a lot of interesting experiences over in the us collaborating with um you know with physician pathologists over there and there were occasions where way back in the day when i was a lot younger and um uh i, I ran the training program at tufts back in 2009, 2006, 2009 or so, I used to have a lot of the MD pathologists come and integrate into our training program. So they would give lectures or they would join all the autopsies that went on with our, our residents or they would join our specialty histopathology rounds and stuff like that. We published cases with them and we just always found those collaborations to be really interesting on both sides you know that the the mds really enjoyed it the physicians uh, and so did we it was just very fruitful and um and just a lot of fun as well lots of fun yeah so nikki you've, you've mentioned that you you know you've had that experience of working in both the us and the uk during your career have you noticed any other major differences in the way that um veterinary pathology is 
taught or practiced? I, I think there are, yeah. I mean, I've only been back in the in the UK since April. So, you know, despite my accent, I've, I feel more Americanized than anything else. And I, you know, I spent 21, 22 years in the US. Um, but it's already been somewhat straightforward for me to spot some big differences. Um, when I think about teaching of the curriculum here in, you know, in vet schools for pathology, although the educational objectives for, for the veterinary curriculum in general with respect to pathology are the same on both sides of the Atlantic, you know, with respect to things like the, um, like the objectives that are set out in the accreditation standards for veterinary degree courses on in both countries. So there'll be things that are set by the Royal College of Veterinary Surgeons here in the UK and, and by the American Veterinary Medical Association's Council on Education in North America. But despite the fact that the objectives are pretty similar, that the teaching and, and the assessment side of, of the curriculum have some big differences. And just from what I've noticed so far, when I think of the US, a lot of the teaching of pathology in the, in the vet schools that I've had experience with over there tends to take a bit more of a of what I would describe as a, a more selective and, and focused or targeted approach where it might target some of the more common concepts of, of pathology and general disease processes and stuff like that. Whereas in the UK, from, from I guess the little that I've seen so far in just a few months, I feel like we're kind of overdoing it. And that's, you know, that might sound counterintuitive for a pathologist to say, we're teaching too much pathology, but I, I kind of think we are over here. It's we have a very didactic approach, and I feel like students. I feel like it contributes to overload of information, and I feel like that makes students see pathology, or at least makes some students see pathology as this just this didactic course that they have to get through to become vets rather than being able to view it as a clinical specialty because they're just getting lost in the weeds. Um, and I think all the, the overload of information can, can often dilute the message for students a lot, kind of creates what I call a, a silo effect where it, it just makes students think of pathology as a separate entity rather than as this kind of a bridge. So they don't really see it as a, as a gel that really holds a lot of things together. The, the assessment side is somewhat different as well. So back in the US, I was accustomed to pathology in the, in the early years of the vet school course, would typically be examined more with things like mid-semester exams and end-of-semester exams. They're often multiple-choice exams or single-best-answer exams. And, and they, those kind of exams to us over here in the UK those kind of ex exams on superficially seem like, oh, they must be really, really simple to get through. But when you, when you write multiple choice questions properly or single best answer ones, you can, you can really test knowledge in, the, in a very good way uh, because you're not just asking random trivia to students. You can create real targeted clinical scenarios that, um, that can really test students on, on different levels of of their knowledge and, and how they integrate it and assimilate it on a kind of a clinical level and how they can problem solve. You know, it's multiple choice questions are not just simple 
knowledge-based knee-jerk answers for the most part if, if you write them properly over here on on the flip side you know i see our guys who are doing a lot of the teaching here and it, it's the same all across the uk as far as i can gather is that there are lots of short answers and essay type questions and that's a lot of overload for, for students and also, also for the graders who have to do all the marking. So I, just a, a couple of things there that I've noticed so far. So what skills do you think make, like what skills make a good veterinary pathologist? The first one will be attention to details and curiosity, I think. And having even an, an intuitive sense about what's going on uh, and the ability to integrate, like integrate integration, uh, the ability to integrate all the bits of information into like uh, a clinical understanding, and then acceptance. I, I say that because it's impossible to know every single pathological condition in ev- any single species. Like it's impossible. So accepting that. It's even something that is um, fascinating and it's like in a way pushing you in keep like still learning in the learning process in having been curious in understanding and learning more. So the acceptance is what I'm usually saying to the students that they ask me questions about animals that I don't really know anything about. And that's the reality. So, um, because we don't have just human beings, <laughs> we need to deal with so many species. So accepting that is something, uh, being a bit humble in a way, uh, it's one of the skills that a veterinary pathologist should have, I think. Yeah, I think I would definitely echo everything that Chiara has said there. I, I always say that, Pathology is a, is a great choice for anyone who enjoys a bit of detective work and, uh, and also for anyone who can, who can either tolerate or has great interest in all that kind of nerdy science stuff that, that tends to be the, the, the real foundation of pathology. And, and I think, you know, thinking about what Chiara was saying about how basically you have to be a lifelong learner, you can't know everything, you do have to be a bit of a self-starter as well. You know, you, you have to, I think this is the same for any specialty program. It's not true of, of just pathology. You need to be able to to really propel yourself through your training and, and through your, the rest of your career because you're not learning from a syllabus. There's no catchment area around the amount of knowledge that you have to know or experience that you have to gain to be a good pathologist. And, and it's not a passive process where somebody lectures to you when you write notes. You know, you, you have to be actively seeking out a lot of the information that you need. And, and that's true of the rest of your career, not just for your training. So then if you hadn't gone to vet school, what would you be doing? Uh, so I would be a pediatrician, I think. Uh, that's what I wanted to do. Uh, and so basically now if I'm... Uh, reflecting on that, I, I love working w- with uh, living beings that are very challenging to understand, whether they are animals or kids, because they might not talk too much, and or they it's very difficult to get information from them. Uh, but yes, I would 
would have loved to be a bit a pediatrician, I think. Yes. Another life, maybe. I don't know. Interesting parallel. Like a pharmacy was a profession that, that interested me in addition to a veterinary the veterinary profession, and I've I've often tried to to figure out what it was at you know at the root that um, that kind of stemmed that interest, and I think that as a discipline, I enjoyed the the pharmacology side of things, and if I take a step back from that, I feel like that came from how much I enjoyed biochemistry as a student, because the, there was something about understanding all these kind of complex interrelated and, and stepwise processes that really appealed to me on some level. I can't really easily explain that, but I feel like that that relates to, to my interest in pharmacological and pathological reactions because they all have that kind of pragmatic um, stepwise process approach involved in, in many areas of them. And I feel like in general, there are a lot of parallels between pharmacy and pathology because pharmacy kind of combines all that nerdy pharmacology science stuff with a lot of integration across many areas of um, of healthcare and research whether it's clinical or you know or even basic biomedical research in the same kind of way that pathology does with um, you know with with veterinary medicine and, and even with human medicine so I, I'm that, that's my hypothesis on on why I, I kind of like the, the pharmacy side, how that appealed to me when I was younger. Nice. I like that you both, you'd both be going into, still going into medical and scientific disciplines. <laughs> so then um, I wanted to ask, where do you see the field of veterinary pathology in 10 years time? Um, there's a lot going on in terms uh, of digital innovations, bioinformatics, and in 10 years, we might even be beyond that. So the, the changes in our profession are huge. And even the pace of development and change will be even more rapid in the future. So, for example, we have advances in genetics, uh, information technology, and, and they are already transforming histopathology and other pathology specialties, and this will continue, I think. So maybe some of the challenges that we are facing today in terms of disease diagnosis will be uh, removed with molecular diagnostics, genomics, proteomics. So there will be more like an increase in accuracy, maybe, uh, with all those uh, innovative technologies. Uh, so it's just keeping, uh, you know, uh, being on on track of that, that's really challenging, at least for me, because advanced, uh, advanced like there are many um, things that are happening in this space. And so we just need to keep an eye on um, what's going on in the future. Yeah, I can definitely concur with Chiara. The, the, the gains that we're having at the moment are just so rapid. The advances are... You, you can't go to you can't go to sleep one night and the next morning you wake up and something else is, is evolving it's it's really quite a, a nice rapid turn of events that's going on in in the in the veterinary profession and you know especially in the in the pathology side and I likewise think that the digital story is going to really massively evolve 
over the next 10 years and, and the molecular side of things too. Uh, I feel like we're, um, we're getting big gains right now in the oncology sphere with respect to the molecular um, pathology side of things. I think that's going to really expand. You know, we're going to really probably get into things like precision medicine in veterinary medicine a little bit more where oncologists can maybe start using molecular information that we're able to give them as pathologists and, um, uh, and maybe customize cancer treatments for their patients. A lot of that is just way above my pay grade, but it's, um, it, it's really fascinating stuff. It's fascinating to watch it evolve. Yeah. If I think about myself as a PhD student, I, I've been working with the electron microscope and that was my, uh, my PhD thesis. And now it's uh, it's something that you know it's uh, in the corner. Nobody's yeah. uh, like caring about that anymore. Now we have so many molecular tools that um, we shouldn't forget the basics anyway. So like true. It, yeah. yeah. Nice. So then last but not least, what key thing would you like others to know about your specialty, whether that's laboratory medicine professionals or general health professionals? I think that it, we, we just need to reinforce what we said before, that really there's not, no um, clinical disciplines that can live without pathology. I'm saying that like in a way we, we need to sell that a bit more uh, because I think that um, that could be or like, you know, from the human or the veterinary side, really pathology is very, very critical. So and um, that's the thing that everyone should recognize in a way. And for the community, you know, the general uh, like other people that who don't know what we are. I just want to uh, quote someone like a very good mentor of mine that while back said, who while back said, oh, you know, you need to think about a pathologist as a wizard <laughs> because we are unlocking mysteries of what's going on in uh, animals. So in so many different species that it's impossible to list. Uh, and like when someone asks me what I'm doing, in my life, they they are very amazed at the degree, degree of knowledge that we need to have to to understand everything. So um, yes, it's um, it's I, I would I would like to to have more um, younger people being interested in veterinary pathology and to see the value of our um, job, really. Yeah, I. Definitely agree. And I could co-sign everything that, that Chiara has just said there. I especially like the idea of being a wizard. So I'm going to remember that one forever now. But in addition to all those groups and all those points that um, Chiara just raised, I think I would also like to to kind of let students know that the pathology is not just this dirty, awful smelling rotation that they have to pass to, to graduate vet school but that it's really an amazing clinical specialty that, that really helps to, all of us to better understand disease processes and, and it really helps to improve patient management and patient care on, on so many levels. And it provides 
us as you know as a profession it provides us with with links to so many other areas of our profession that just can't do without us so we're very fortunate really that so many areas can't do without us because it keeps us in jobs i suppose but it also allows us to network really in in very interesting and intriguing ways across research across the human healthcare sphere as well so many public health and, and one health ties it's it's a fascinating discipline it's a fascinating clinical specialty so i would definitely want to recommend to students to be really open minded as they go through vet school and to do some good investigation of of our fabulous specialty and hopefully to join us at some point one day very nice um well thank you again for joining us today it's been a pleasure talking to you both if people want to find out more about uh, veterinary pathology or the work that you're both doing where can they find you what are your social media channels websites etc uh i do have a twitter account i, I don't remember what it is <laughs> actually it's palmieri palmieri vet path to be yeah and uh, LinkedIn uh, or Facebook, Instagram. I'm very active on social media uh, because I think that it's a new way to reach people and spread the word. So um, they can or just email me. I'm on the school website, the School of Bad Science of the University of Queensland. Well, I'm gonna find you on Twitter now, Chiara, because I'm also on. I'm on Twitter. My my handle on Twitter is Vetpath Surrey, so um, anyone can find me there. And I'm gonna find Chiara. Uh, you can also get me through the the University of Surrey through the Vet School's website. You can find me there. I'm also on LinkedIn under just under my name, Nicola Parry. So, but um, I think Twitter is the, is the best way to get me. Really, I'm not very active. I'm not active at all on LinkedIn. I, I don't really use it. I'm just there. So um, Twitter is definitely the, the place to find me.